All right, boys and girls, my name is Uncle Jimmy. I'm sitting behind a microphone at the Rock and Roll Garage, and I'm about to spew out some garbage and call it a podcast. And the name of that podcast is Grease the Wheels. Coming to you from the Rock and Roll Garage, it's your Uncle Jimmy. Hey, uh, I have run into a sort of a dilemma, and I want to fill you in on what it is. And it involves you, the listeners, because you are listening. Here's what I'm talking about. This is just a regular straight-up podcast. It's just, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes sometimes maybe, sometimes even up to an hour of just me cranking out a bunch of crap, spewing all kinds of assorted stuff. Now, at some point in time, it actually ends up costing us money. Besides the time and energy to go into it, it costs us money to put this out. Okay, it's not an extraordinary amount of money. It's not like thousands and thousands of dollars, although eventually it will add up to thousands and thousands of dollars. So what we wanted to try to do, and this is Eric and I, Eric's the producer and I am the on-air talent, which is a term that fits very loosely, I might add. Uh, we have to, at some point, try to monetize this particular podcast. And we are having extraordinary difficulty monetizing this particular podcast because a lot of people who spend money to put ads on a podcast such as this one or to have me tell you about how great their product is, they are not really all that excited about the language. And I know you know what I'm talking about. It's the swearing. They don't like the cussing. They don't like it when I say the F word or the S word or the A word or you know all the other words that have a letter that designates what they are, you know? So with that in mind, what I wanted to do was try to put out what I would call a clean podcast. And you're asking yourself, oh, come on, Uncle Jimmy, you can't do that. That's one of the reasons why we like you. You talk like us. And listen, I know I talk like you because I am one of you, okay? And I want, let me just say this real quick before I get too far into it. I am really proud of all of you. You keep America and or whatever country you're in, God bless all of you. You keep that country moving. You especially keep America moving, and I know you do because I've been stuck in traffic behind stuff that all of you have fixed. And sometimes I wish you weren't so good at it. <laughs> oh, I'm not kidding you. I live two miles from where I work, and it takes me 20 minutes to get there because there's so many other, fill in your own adjective, people in my way every day who can't drive or are trying to get somewhere where they shouldn't go or they're pulling some sort of silly maneuver that they definitely should not pull, especially when I am visible in the rearview mirror, okay? That is, uh, <laughs> but that's just me. That's what I have to deal with. I, I live in a, a city and cities cities all over the world are getting like that and, ha- and some of them have been like that for ages. Uh, Los Angeles comes to mind. Singapore and New Delhi, these are cities where if you wanna get around, you have to have almost a suicidal streak to you to get around in those cities. But what I'm trying to do here is uh, I want to put out a podcast this week where I don't use any of the foul language that is really honest to God common in an auto repair shop. Now, I <laughs> I, I got to be honest with you too. I struggle in my public life. And I mean my public life when I'm out in public. If I'm like at a grocery store or a supermarket or, well, actually, Uncle Jimmy, a grocery store and a supermarket are pretty much the same thing. Uh, Thank you for pointing that out, by the way. If I'm out in public, if I'm at a store of any kind, or if I'm at an event, or I'm somewhere where there's other people around who aren't auto mechanics, 
uh, I can't turn it off. There's no switch for it. Okay, I have one way of expressing myself and it is considered by people who have manners and people who are uh, speak grammatically correctly all the time or most of the time or they're church-going people or God-fearing people uh, of, of any religion for that matter. They don't talk like we do, okay? They don't talk like we do. Uh, they don't express themselves the way we do. Sometimes uh, you can find people who do express themselves that way. But the, the more, more times than not, they, along with us, are pretty much social outcasts. Seriously. If you use the wrong type of language in the wrong situation, you are going to get a, a wild variety of reactions. I know myself personally, I have, uh, like I said, I can't shut it off. So the words that pop out of my mouth sometimes... Uh, seriously, instantly, I mean, it's instantly offend the people around me. You know, if I'm talking, even, even to my own family, and this has happened to me all my life, really since I was about 15 years old, I've used the, the salty language, which a lot of you tune in to hear. I know this, okay? Uh, and I'm doing this on purpose. Just to kind of illustrate the fact that it doesn't, it's not necessary, uh, and we all know that. It's not necessary for me to say the F word, every other word, uh, but it feels so good, doesn't it? It feels good. And if you're in like a supermarket or something and somebody says something to you and it's ridiculous or outrageous or you just don't want to talk to them at all and you retort with some sort of response that lets them know that you don't want them to speak to you or that you don't care what they're talking about and you use the F word to punctuate whatever it is you're trying to say. It gets the point across a lot faster and a lot better than really any other word out there. It is just, for some people, it is just the epitome. It's the penultimate uh, obnoxious word. It is the penultimate foul language. It is the number one word that no one really wants to hear. And you're not gonna hear it for the most part on television. I mean, you have to turn it on real late in the evening to hear that word. And channels where that word is spoken uh, quite often are regulated to the triple and quadruple digits of the channels of your cable box, you know. So it, it's not socially acceptable. I get it. Uh, as a human being, I'm pretty much not socially acceptable. And I don't give a fill in the blank. Seriously, uh, I... I have a really good grasp on who I am. I'm obnoxious. I am a moronic at times. I'm an idiot, a clown. Uh, I'm pretty ugly. Uh, I have scraggly hair. I'm almost always dirty. I am always poorly dressed. I have uh, a skin condition known as psoriasis, which makes me look like a leper. Uh, nothing I can really do about that. Uh, nothing I'm really going to do about that. And, you know, I'm not going to go into it. It just makes me look even more horrible than I already do look. I'm just not a very desirable looking human being. I've grown up that way. I know that I'm like that. I'm good with it. Uh, and the rest of the world can kiss my fill in the blank. Okay. You as listeners uh, seem to enjoy, <laughs> seem to enjoy it. I've heard from some of you that, that, that say that I'm fill in the blank hilarious. Uh, but the problem arises when, when myself or Eric, and mostly Eric, tries to uh, get people to give us money to keep going by advertising on our podcast. Uh, 
they balk at the uh, language. And I, I've always felt like they're missing an opportunity, really, because, you know, you as you guys, as automotive technicians and, and really any other kind of technician that you might be, you talk like that. It's, it's, you have to, you want to express yourself and you want to express yourself succinctly as possible to other people who think the same way that you do. So there it is, you know? I mean, if you say something in a specific way to somebody who works with you, they might not get the message. But if you add some of these language spices, so to speak, to your, to your conversation, you are able, I think you're honestly able to get your point across much better. I, I really do. Because it, it speaks of a certain mindset like, you know, you could tell somebody to stop doing something. You could say, hey, like, uh, don't do that. And it's like, okay, he doesn't want me to do that. But if you add any one of these language spicers, if you will, uh, language uh, enhancers to that statement, it means that you really, really, really don't want him to do that. He say, wow, okay, I won't do it. Take it easy. That's all I'm trying to get at with this little diatribe is that it's not necessary, but... It works, and in some cases, it may be completely necessary. And in some other cases, uh, it's completely not called for, yet there it is. Now, I had a, uh, we have, where I work, it's a, it's a new car dealership. It's brand new, uh, and our shop is, is amazing. It's, it's white. I mean, how, who makes a white auto repair shop? I don't know, but it's working for us. I mean, it gets cleaned every day by professionals. Uh, at least that's what I, they say they are. And it's an amazing looking place. And when we're in there working, it's typically not even, I mean, even when it's dirty, it's still pretty spectacular looking. It's a palace. I've called it a palace many times. And it is. As far as a place to work, it's well lit. It's really gorgeous. And so when people are trying to, when our salespeople are trying to sell a car to a potential new car customer they will bring them into the shop and show them where their car is going to be serviced for the next four years for free by the way or three years whichever it is because they're monkeying around with the warranties now they're going to show them where their car is going to be serviced and if it becomes defective in any manner where it will be repaired they want to show them that so they can say this is the commitment we have made to keeping your car your investment in this car running and, and operating perfectly for the next four years of the warranty and then even after that we will continue to take care of you it will just be on you and so they like to show them the shop and, and tell them about how great it is and how they have master technicians over here and some new guys over here and everybody's working together and it's a great place to work and everybody's happy about working there and there i am with my hands uh halfway up a car's ass stuck by the way and ass is not a swear word so i'm just gonna go ahead and get away with that one uh and I can't get my hand out without driving a sharp piece of metal three quarters of an inch into my knuckle, okay? And I'm screaming because A, it hurts, and I'm using four-letter words because that's the only way I can really alleviate pain until I actually extract my hand from this Chinese finger trap of a car. And, and in the meantime, I am uttering four-letter words at a horrific rate at, at an increased volume, okay? And you're trying to show the shop to the customer and, and sell a car based on how great the service is. And here's a guy down here who looks like his hand is being chewed up by a blender. And he is screaming at said blender with some of these most obnoxious and evil four-letter words you've ever heard. I believe that that kind of behavior should be somewhat excused. 
I can't say to you that anybody else in the world is going to have that same opinion. Nobody else in the world is going to have that, that opinion of that particular scenario. If a customer's uh, interested in buying a car, they certainly don't want to hear a technician screaming obscenities at a car that might be even like or completely like the one that they want to buy. But I have a scar on my knuckle uh, from where this car gouged the uh, fill-in-the-blank out of me. And uh, seriously, I went off. I, I, I've got a, a hair trigger on the temper. Uh, I get over it quickly. Okay, that's the only thing I have going for me. Is if I get mad, I could be laughing less than a minute later. Seriously, it's the only way to, it's, it's the only way I can survive. If I stayed mad all the time, I would probably explode. I would explode. My blood pressure would go through the roof, and a vein would stand out on my head and paint the walls red, and I'd be dead. So the fact that I can get over being angry about something or at something is one of my saving. It's probably my only saving grace, really. So is shop talk. Uh, acceptable at any time? Of course it is. It's acceptable all the time as far as I'm concerned. However, the people around you, the people that you love, the people that you like, your neighbors, uh, your friends, and maybe even fellow human beings in other places, you know, such as stores and that sort of thing, they don't want to hear it. Probably. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I've heard, I've heard other people, this is rare, but I've heard other people go off on something or somebody and I've snickered to myself when they swear at them. I know that it, they're expressing their anger and it works for them and it's funny. It's funny. I can't tell you how many times and anybody who knows me knows that this is absolutely 100% true. There are times where I will be on, I will just be out of my mind angry at something and it could be as stupid as a screw falling on the floor but I'm losing my fill in the blank on this little screw or whatever it was that fell on the floor or whatever is giving me a hard time and I'm screaming at it. Not at the top of my lungs, but I am screaming at it and calling it all kinds of names. Uh, and usually every other name is uh, punctuated with a, uh, a, a swear word, a cuss word, a bad word, something like something along those lines. And I'll look around and I will see the people around me looking at me and laughing. I don't know why it's funny. I have never been able to figure out why it's funny. If you were to watch me throw a temper tantrum, it, it apparently, according to my friends and the people and my coworkers, it is literally hilarious. And then what ends up happening is I end up laughing right along with them because, like I said, I get over it quickly, and I think maybe their reaction to what I'm doing is 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 helping me. I, I'd like to think it's helping me. Now, I didn't want to spend this much time talking about me not swearing. Sorry. Uh, if you're looking forward to hearing the F word uh, on this particular podcast, turn it off now. It's not going to happen. I, I, I need to demonstrate not only to Eric, the producer, and to any potential advertisers and any other potential suitors of my services in whatever way, shape, or form they see fit. I'm just trying to demonstrate to myself that I can get through an entire conversation and possibly an entire podcast without saying anything that amounts to a swear word. And I can do it. I don't, I don't need... I don't need to add that stuff. I don't, that stuff doesn't need to pop out of my, my pie hole and it doesn't need to go in your ear hole. I mean, if you like it, I apologize that this might not be the podcast for you. Now, one of the things I want to talk about too, and I kind of want to split this up into two pieces because one of the things that goes hand in hand with not swearing, with not using foul language is talking to customers. And I think it's a very good thing that mechanics 
in most shops don't actually talk to customers. I think it's a very good thing because like I said, I think a lot of mechanics are like me where they can't turn it off. There's no on off switch for it. You could be talking to a customer about what's going on with their car and maybe they're reasonable, maybe they're unreasonable, maybe they're a little bit of both and they don't understand something and you wanna get to the point so you can get back to work fixing cars because talking to customers is not your forte. If it was your forte, you would be a service advisor. Am I correct? I mean, if you were good at and like talking to customers and your mechanic, I would say hang it up and go be a service advisor if you like that sort of thing. Now, people people are going to say things to you as, as a service advisor. If you don't know this, let me, let me be the guy who spells it out for you. People are going to say things to you as a service advisor that you do not want to hear. They're going to take everything that you say, and I mean every single solitary word that you say, turn it around, twist it up into a knot and throw it right back in your face. It happens every single day. They're upset about their car. If their car is broken, they're upset about it. And because all the customers are really pretty much the same, you're going to get a few who aren't like this, but there's so few and far between, it's not even worth mentioning. But most customers, when their car breaks down, the very first thing they think of is, why did this break down? Who is to blame? Okay. And they can, and I'm going to tell you what, their mind is like a roulette wheel. There's always something for them to land on as far as what is causing their problem. It's either the manufacturer's problem or it's their husband's problem or fault or it's their wife's problem or fault or the son. If they have a teenage son, that's usually a good one. That always worked for my parents. Is it the mechanic who worked on it the last time? Is it the shop that worked on it the last time? It's always, no matter what is wrong with your car, it's always somebody's fault, always. Never mind that the car's got 190,000 miles on it and it's just plain worn out. The fact that it broke is somebody's fault. And then after that particular moment of, of idiocy is over and they have figured out who's to blame for the problem they're having for the car, the next question pops up immediately, who's gonna pay for it? Well, the check engine light came back on in that tone of voice. The check engine light came back on and I was just there three months ago for a check engine light. So in their mind, it's comeback. The car wasn't fixed properly that time, three months ago when it was in your shop. So you're the guy on the phone. You're the guy. If you're a service advisor, you're the guy on the phone. This service manager is not going to answer the phones. The receptionist is not going to be able to answer any of this person's questions. Not going to be able to do it. You as a service advisor have to do it. And this is why I don't envy them at all. I know their job is hard. If if people think that I go and I take service advisors to task about the way they do their job, not realizing how rough it is, they're wrong. I definitely understand how much it sucks. I understand completely. If angry, worked up people called me up all day long, I would probably hunt them all down and kill them and say, look, get over it. It's a machine. It's going to break. It's going to need maintenance items. It's going to not work properly. It is going to be in a junkyard someday. It is going to be completely useless someday. It is going to be crushed and melted down and made into another car that eventually someday will also be useless and junk and in a, in a junkyard. And it will also get melted down and made into a whole other car. There are pieces of metal on your car now that were parts of a 68 Chevy Biscayne that were melted down from parts of a 53 Chrysler that were melted down from German war helmets that were melted down from Model T's that were scrapped, that were melted down from horseshoes. You, you follow 
what's happening here. Progress is being made. We're moving forward and things are getting better. And believe me, they are definitely getting a lot better because if one of these people who can't Bluetooth connect their phone to their car now was transported in time back to 1955 and had a 55 Chevy, yeah, you're not going to get Bluetooth to connect to a brand new 55 Chevy in 1955. Sorry, not going to happen. You're lucky. You would be lucky in a 55 Chevy if you had a rear view mirror outside your door. You would be lucky if it was a two-speed automatic instead of a three-speed on the tree. You would be lucky if the tires didn't go flat, each one of them, within a year of buying it brand new. You'd be lucky if that thing kept running five years later. You would. You'd be lucky. You know what the warranty was on a 55 Chevy? Three months, 5,000 miles. That was the warranty. Can you even imagine that? No. Okay. So climb down off your high horse, kick over the soapbox, get down to my level, and realize that I'm here to help you. And that trying to find somebody to blame for your problem and trying to figure out who's going to pay for it is not the way to go. Now, sometimes as a mechanic, we have to talk to customers. And that's what I originally started out talking about. I don't really like to talk to customers that much because I find that they're not sensible, they're not reasonable, they're not knowledgeable. And like I just previously told you, all they care about is who's to blame for their problem and who's gonna pay for it. I got put on the phone about two weeks ago by a service advisor because they weren't able to sell the work I needed that the vehicle needed. And they wanted to talk to the mechanic because they weren't able to articulate to them, to the customer, why they needed the parts that they needed, why they needed the repair that they needed on their car. They were not able to do that. As a service advisor, I don't care how crappy your job is, I don't care how much you think it sucks, you have to be able to communicate with the customer to the point so that I don't have to. So me as a technician doesn't have to talk to this guy. Because if I have to talk to customers and I have to try to sell the repair that they need, then I don't need you at all. Give me the commission for selling it. They should give me commission for recommending it. Now, I understand the customers are gonna be cranky. They're gonna be mad. And I even chastised this customer. I said, listen, before we get started, before I tell you anything about what's going on with your car, before I tell you anything about why it's doing what it's doing and how we need to repair it, I wanna make one thing clear. I am not in charge of who pays for what, okay? So complaining to me that you have a warranty or complaining to me that it should be covered under warranty or complaining to me that it should be goodwilled or that you shouldn't have to pay so much is not part of the conversation because I am not in charge of that. It's not my department. I'm going to tell you why your car needs what it needs. End of sentence. That's it. Your car needs to have the timing change replaced because they wear out. And yes, they wear out prematurely. And yes, they should probably be covered under warranty. But here again, not my department. And if you do repair this problem, this concern, your engine will run way much better. You will stop having to see the check engine light. It will stop shaking at idle and it will stop shutting off. These are all things that you want. The problem is, is you're unwilling to pay for the repairs to make this happen, even though it's what you want. And then the customer waits for a second and he starts diving into why he has to pay for it. And I, again, I explained to him, that's not my department. I think I've made this pretty clear, okay? Now, as a technician, I get paid for fixing stuff. I don't get paid to talk to customers. So I'm gonna hand the phone back to the person who, who 
put me on this phone, the person who couldn't explain to you why you needed what you needed, even though I wrote it down on the repair order and they could look at it and they could read it to you and they could help you make sense of it. They didn't wanna do that because they were lazy. They didn't wanna do that because they don't have any selling skills. They didn't wanna do that because they can't figure out how to get you to say, yes, you wanna go ahead and get this repaired. And then what ends up happening is, even though it was out of warranty, this particular service advisor found a way to get it covered. They went out of their way. They went, they walked miles around a concern and came to the other side of it and got it warrantied, which cost me money, a lot, by the way. So that particular service advisor is on my fill-in-the-blank list. I don't need that. Instead of working your butt off to get something warrantied for a customer, which is not the most unreasonable thing in the world, but instead of working that hard to get it warrantied, why don't you put that effort into actually selling the job and getting the customer to pay for the repairs to the customer's car? No, that's not what they're going to do. And I would imagine that by this time next year that this particular service advisor won't be there anymore, okay? Because uh, the company, along with me, makes less money when you warranty something, when you goodwill warranty it or whether you, you know, uh, whatever it is they do with them, okay? Because there's several different things that they can do to uh, warranty a, a condition or a repair. The problem that I have with some of this stuff is that this particular vehicle, this particular automobile is not covered under a factory warranty anymore. It is not covered under any kind of add-on warranty at all. It does not have any aftermarket warranty. There is no warranty. So when you have no warranty, you are basically rolling dice, hoping that the car won't screw up. And if it does screw up, it's not expensive. But in this particular case, this guy rolled snake eyes and lost. His car needed a very extensive repair that was expensive and he had no coverage. And I'm not the least bit sad or sympathetic to this guy's plight. He didn't wanna pay for a warranty, he gets to pay now. He gets to pay now. And the thing is, we're such a new dealership that it isn't even, it is, it isn't even like he bought the car from us. He didn't. He didn't buy the car from us. And honestly, if goodwilling this repair causes this particular gentleman to buy a new car from us in the future, then I'm a little bit okay with that, okay? But I don't really see that happening. If he wasn't smart enough to buy a warranty, he isn't gonna be smart enough to come down and buy a certified pre-owned used car from us or a brand new car from us. He's not gonna be one of those people. He's not going to be a future customer for a new vehicle. I don't foresee that. After speaking to him and uh, experiencing the level of intelligence that he does not have, I knew that that wasn't gonna happen. Now, one of the things I did, because I don't wanna talk to customers, okay? That's not my job, it's not, my job is, and I have pointed this out many, many, many times, my job is to fix the cars, period, end of sentence. Do not give me any tasks to do that have nothing to do with fixing a car. Do not ask me to take out the garbage, do not ask me to clean the bathrooms, sweep the floor, mop up here, there, or anywhere, or to go up front and talk to customers, especially because it's aggravating. They aggravate you, but you're paid to be aggravated. And some of you, if you learn how to sell and properly sell the actual value of a professionally trained technician, and that's what you're selling is the value, okay? That's what it is. You're selling the value of having a trained, professional, master technician repair this gentleman's car correctly the first fill-in-the-blank time. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? The, the service advisors that we have now, they behave as if 
They want the money for doing the job, but they don't want to have to do the job. And they are like electricity. They will take the path of least resistance. Putting a technician on the phone with a customer because you can't sell something is not a viable alternative. It is not doable. Don't do it. Because the next time it happens to me, I will take the switch that I have turned off for this podcast and I will turn it back on when I talk to your customer. And by the time I am done talking to your customer, I will have offended him so completely that he will be sending a flatbed over to pick up his car, take it somewhere else to fix it. So don't fill in the blank, do it. Don't do that. Because customers say, customers say things all the time in, in a most, and, and if you've ever talked to customers, you know this, and I know a lot of you actually have, and I'm, I rail against that. I don't know if, if maybe some of you enjoy it. Um, and, and if you do, you should probably be a service advisor because it's a much easier job than being a mechanic. These people, when, I, when I've talked to, the, all of the people I've talked to on the phone about repairing their car, use this tone of voice that should be reserved for people who have suffered tragedies real honest-to-God tragedies in their life. Uh, my son got killed in a car accident. Oh. That's the same kind of tone of voice I get when people's cars are broken. Uh, my car is leaking coolant. Is your son alive? Well, yeah, why would you ask me that? Um, you're just using that tone of voice that says to me, your son died. No, he's all right. Okay, so basically the, the, the problem that you're having is just that your car is leaking some coolant. That's your problem, yeah. Yeah, that's my problem. <laughs> okay, let's turn it down a notch, okay? This is not a monumental tragedy. As far as becoming a service advisor, I don't foresee that in my future. <laughs> I don't foresee Uncle Jimmy being a service advisor. Uh, there's days when I think I could do it, and and I realize uh, I shake my head and bang it against the wall a few times and realize, no, that would definitely not be a good thing at all. One of the other things that people customers like to do, and this is uh, this doesn't happen so much at a car dealer because one of the things that goes on at a car dealer is that the repair labor, the labor rate for repairs is is higher usually than any other repair shop in the uh, in the neighborhood, in the vicinity. Okay, and it's higher really on purpose. Okay, because there's a lot of things that a dealer has to pay for, and one of the most profitable portions of a car dealer is the service department. And so it is really not a stretch, a, a, a great stretch of the imagination to realize that when you get your car repaired at a dealership, it's customer pay situation and you pay them, that money's used to make the showroom look great. The glass and chrome uh, showroom that you see, you know, all the snacks and treats they have laying around and all the sodas and waters and all that, you paid for that. You didn't pay the mechanic. You didn't pay, they paid the mechanic, but they didn't pay him you know, if it, if it costs you $2,000 to get a water pump change in your car, you can bet your fill in the blank that uh, that mechanic didn't get $2,000 for putting that water pump in your car. That didn't happen. He might have got 30 to, you know, 20, 25, 30, maybe even $35 an hour to put in that water pump and it only paid two hours. So he got 70 bucks. He got 70 bucks and it cost you $2,000. You know, he got, they, and they made money on the parts too. That's why, seriously, if, if customers are listening to this, if you have a remotely new car and you're going to take your car to a new car dealer, and this might be, honest to God, one of the only reasons why you would ever want to do that anyway. Uh, if you have a new car and you're going to take it into a new car dealer, make them give you a loaner. That's something that's been going on for a little while now. Didn't used to be that way. 
used to be if you wanted to get your car fixed, you showed up at the dealership. You better have a ride. You better have somebody pick you up, especially if you're bringing, <laughs> if your car's coming in on a flatbed or a tow truck. They didn't have loaner cars. And most, and this is the thing too, with most independent shops, they don't have loaner cars either. It's old school. You drop your car off, you're a pedestrian. Walk home, walk to work. We don't care. We're going to fix the car for you. If you want to wait, that's fine. Bring a sleeping bag, a book, and a couple of MREs, you know, because it's not going to be fixed immediately, especially if the parts have to be special ordered somehow or another from somewhere on the earth, which is not nearby. Now, there's some customers, and I will agree, there are some customers who are an absolute joy to work with. There are. They get exactly what's going on. They get exactly what is going to happen and what needs to happen. And they know that at the end of it all, their car is going to be fixed. And at most, most repair shops and most dealerships, I think all dealerships, they wash it, they vacuum it out, they clean it up, and uh, you get your car back. And you have to pay. They know that. They're, they're, you're not, they're not fooling anybody. Nobody's fooling anybody there. They, it's their car. They want it to run right. They have to pay. I'm one of those people, although I fix my own car. Um, if I want something from somebody uh, and I know what I want, I know where to get it, and I know how much it's going to cost, I go buy the, I go buy it. I go buy it. I give them the money. I don't have any buyer's remorse. I get what I paid for. Maybe I paid too much. I don't care. If I wanted it, I want it. I got it. Boom. I'm good. Okay, make enough money to the point where I can buy things I want and not go, oh, I can't eat for the rest of the week. You know, that's not happening to me. I'm not, I'm not uh, financially irresponsible like that. Not at all. But I think that those customers are extremely few and far between. And as a matter of fact, they're probably dying off in a uh, rapid pace. <laughs> and it's too bad. A lot of people nowadays with cars uh, that are younger have been conditioned to feel like automotive repair shops are ripping them off especially women. I think that probably 100% of women who aren't auto mechanics and who aren't service advisors, which is still almost all women anyway, they believe that when they have a problem with their car that they're going to get ripped off. They automatically believe that. Even, even 14 and 15 year old girls who don't own a car yet feel that way. If you said to a 15 year old girl with a reasonable amount of intelligence, say, you know, when you turn 18 and you get your own car and you have to take it into the shop, do you feel like you're gonna get ripped off? And they'll go, oh yeah, definitely. I know I'm gonna get ripped off, I know it. Any lady that I know for that matter, if I found out that they had gone into a shop and this sort of thing happened, I'd probably burn down that shop. Uh, the world doesn't need places like that. If, if you're doing that, if you're listening to this and you take advantage of people based on their sex or maybe even their race, uh, stop, stop doing that. Okay, you're, you're perpetrating one of the largest problems that we have in this country, okay? One of the largest problems we have in America is that people don't have respect for women and people of color and people of certain religions. And it should not be like that at all. And we need to try to eliminate and eradicate that as much as possible. And if you're perpetrating it, I'm gonna find you. Somebody's gonna find you somewhere someday and, and there's gonna be payback. It's called karma. And I believe in it completely because I'm a living example of it. If I do things that are bad and wrong, then bad and wrong things happen to me. And if you're doing things that are bad and wrong, I can guarantee you that bad and wrong things are gonna happen to you. So knock it off, knock it off. Women are to be respected. People of color are to be respected. People of other religions other than your own are to be respected until they do something to unearn that respect, okay? You always have to err on the side of caution and respect everybody, let them unearn it. 
Now, when you're dealing with customers, uh, and, and, and it's tough, it's tough to have respect for a customer who is just giving you a great big load of crap on the phone. And uh, I'll tell you something, it's, it's appropriate for me to say this on this particular podcast because as near as I can tell, I haven't used a single cuss word. I haven't said the F word. I haven't said the S or the A word or whatever other words have a letter that defines them. If a customer starts to swear at you on the phone, if you're a service advisor or if you're a service manager or you're a technician even, and or a parts guy, uh, I know it's parts guys, this used to happen to me. If you get a customer on the phone that's irate and you can't speak to them, that's one thing. But as soon as they start using foul language, <coughs> hang right up. Just hang right up. There is no job in the world, not a single job in the world that pays enough to put up with that fill-in-the-blank stuff, okay? There's not a single, there's no There's no amount of money where you should have to put up with that. And I'll tell you what, too, it's almost always over the phone. My friend Frankie used to say they're called telephone tough guys. I used to call it telephone bravery, but telephone tough guys is better. People who will say or say anything to you over the phone. As soon as you see them in person, oh, guess what? Yeah, not so tough, are we? No, no, they're not. Especially in my case, because I worked in a lot of auto parts stores and I had a lot of disagreements with customers who thought things should work one way and they didn't. And then they would say, I'm coming down there. And I'd say, okay, fine, I'll be at the parts counter. And they would come in and they would see me and... Uh, you know, I'm not the biggest person by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not as tall as Shaquille O'Neal, and I'm not as, I'm not fat. Um, I'm I'm somewhat lean. I'm considered obese, but uh, I am a very broad-chested uh, individual, a little bit larger, and and carry with me an attitude where, hey, bring it, okay? Seriously, you want to kick my ass? It's a good thing for you. I brought it with me. Seriously, okay? Let's go. So I I, I intimidate people sometimes. I, and sometimes even when I don't want to, uh, I'm not trying to, but if you come down and you want to give me a hard time, knock yourself out. I'm there. I'm ready. I'll go with you. Just let me know if we're, if we're going to rumble for fun or if we're going to rumble for real. And the difference is the room that you end up in in the hospital. One is in the basement. The other one is in the emergency room. So that happens uh, uh, that used to happen to me on a much more regular basis than I've cared to admit uh, and uh, it shouldn't have it shouldn't have but there's no respect for people there's no respect coming from people for people when they're on the phone with you everyone's a telephone tough guy everyone and uh, that's why I don't I don't really like the phone I have an iPhone 4 which says a lot about me, mostly that I'm just a, a moron. But I don't like to answer it. And people say, why don't you get a new phone? And I said, because it, it has this annoying thing that it does. And they go, what's that? I go, it rings. I don't want to talk on a phone. I think that the phone is, a, a, the, the mobile phone as it exists, the, a cellular phone, is the most idiotic thing going. It's like, seriously, I'll, I'll talk to you when I get home, okay? Don't call me now. I'm at work. I'm working. I'm driving the car. I'm driving the car. I might be shopping in a store. I could do that and talk on a cell phone probably, but I don't shop in the store so much so to the point that anybody's likely to catch me in the store shopping while they're calling me. It's happened, but it doesn't happen very often because I go in to shop. I know what I want. I go in, I grab it, I buy it. I get the hell out of the, I get the hell out. But as far as phones go and talking to customers, I, I can't condone that for any mechanic, any technician out there. I said I wasn't going to say mechanic anymore, but there it is. I said it, okay? Sue me. Things that customers say are always seem to me to be an attempt 
to trick you into providing them with answers to the questions, whose fault is this and who's going to pay for this? And as a, as a technician, I don't care. If you want to try to work the conversation around so that I have to say something to the point, well, I probably didn't fix your car right and it should probably be free. If that's what you want to hear, fine, I'll say that because you know what? I don't care. I don't care. That's not my department. Just like I told that one gentleman, it's not my department. If they come in and say, well, the mechanic said it was his fault and that he should pay and that you should pay. And my service manager is going to say, that's not how it works. Sorry. Uh, you know, <laughs> if you want something from us for free, you came to the wrong place. There's no red kettle out front. We don't work for free. We're not a charity. We work for profit. And the profit comes from the repairs that we do for you. We sell you the experience and the training and the knowledge of our technicians. They repair your car as quickly and as professionally as possible. We wash them. We vacuum them. We put them out front. We wait for you to show up. You pay us for the services that we are trying to provide. You drive off and you're probably not going to be happy, but there's not much we can do about that. If you're just basically an unhappy person to begin with, no amount of free complimentary services and pay and customer pay repairs is going to make you happy. Okay, it's just not going to happen. So uh, my thing is, uh, and I guess what I'm trying to say, let me condense it down into a, a short blurb and then we'll put an end to this PG rated <laughs> podcast. I think it's PG rated. I don't know. I, didn't, I don't think I said anything too disgusting. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but what I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make is you're a technician. You fix cars. You don't talk to people. Uh, having to talk to people kind of sucks. Avoid it as much as possible. And uh, be careful what you say to them. And, but and here again, in the end, it doesn't really matter what you say to them because you're not the one who has to deal with them after you talk to them. There's always going to be somebody else, usually. So make it a point not to talk to customers. And you know what, too? Uh, if you have to, and they do it a lot to you and you don't like to do it, and I don't like to do it. So next time I have to do it, I'm going to be as rude and obnoxious and use as many four-letter words as I possibly can so that they never ask me to do it again. Never. They can be like, can I talk to the technician? Um, no, you can't. He has a problem. Yeah, what's that? Uh, he speaks very, he speaks in foul terms. He's a very foul-mouthed individual and he can't turn it off. So if you have to talk to him, you're gonna hear a lot of words you don't wanna hear. Well, that's okay, put him on the phone. Yeah, no, really, uh, we've been requested not to do that. So that's what I'm hoping happens in my case. Maybe if it persists from a particular service advisor or maybe a particular shop owner or a service manager where they want you to talk to customers, give it a shot. Try to offend the person on the phone. Ask them questions that are inappropriate. Say things that are rude and uh, see if they put you on the phone again ever. And maybe they'll fire you. Who knows? There's a shortage of technicians out there. Let them fire you. I don't care. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that's enough of me and the PG podcast. This is your Uncle Jimmy. We sign off by saying, see ya.